Hey guys, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place to follow the players, teams, stats, storylines, and everything else going on in the world of professional volleyball. Today, we are in a bit of a lull in the volleyball world. The Olympic qualifiers are done. We don't have European championships starting for a little while now. So I thought it'd be a good idea today to revisit the world of club volleyball and go over the off-seasons in both the Russian and the Brazilian leagues. So if you listen to my France and Germany off-season podcast a few weeks ago, you kind of get the gist of it. Just go over the major transfers for each team, the big questions that they'll face in the upcoming season. Won't go over every single team, just the ones that are kind of more playoff and interesting teams, but I'll go over all, all the major transaction and all the major contenders. Hope you enjoy the podcast. The Russian Super League, like the Italian Super League, is a very deep, very competitive league. I would say last year, the top seven teams in the league pretty much had competitive, highly talented players at every position. Not something you see often in volleyball leagues. However, there's one team that has completely dominated this league for the majority of the past decade, and that is Zenit Kazan. However, last year, as you probably know, Kuzbaz Kemerovo, the underdog story, Igor Kobzar, Viktor Politaev, and the rest of those guys knocked off Zenit Kazan in an epic final series. And the reigning Russian league champions are bringing back mostly the same lineup. They managed to keep all the important pieces from last season, including Igor Kobzar, Viktor Politaev, Lori Kerminin, and Yaroslav Podnashnek. They also brought in former Zenit Kazan outside hitter Evgeny Sivoshelas, who should be able to help out with their wing depth. Obviously, being able to keep most of the pieces that won them that championship last year is a huge, huge thing for Kuzbaz Kemerovo, especially Viktor Politaev, who is currently the starting opposite for the Russian national team above Maxi Mikhailov. Incredible player, one of the best scorers, servers, and just players overall in the Russian Super League. So keeping him was really important because there was no way they would be able to replace him, and I'm sure he got some pretty good offers from other clubs. However, I was hoping that they would use their Champions League status next year, their reigning champion of the Russian League status, to kind of get more money from their sponsor and be able to pitch to players to bring in another big piece that would really cement them as maybe even the favorites to repeat over Zenit Kazan next year and give them a solid shot at a Champions League medal, which would be huge, huge for a club like Kamarovo. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like there's a big signing coming in, not really any huge players left on the market. However, we could see maybe another solid player be brought in before the season starts or maybe even a mid-season transfer. Overall, I would give Kemerovo's offseason a B-. Great job keeping their main players, but I really thought they could have got one more piece, maybe a solid middle blocker or another outside hitter. And the second place team in the Russian Superliga last season, Zenit Kazan, goes another offseason, swapping one superstar for another. Last season, they lost Wilfredo Leon, probably the best outside hitter in the world, but still managed to get probably the second best outside hitter in the world, Irvin Engapet. They had an awesome regular season, going 25-1. So they only lost one game in the regular season and continued that until they fell apart in the Russian League Finals and in the Champions League Finals. This year, they are losing American outside hitter Matt Anderson, who is going to Modena. 
But they're bringing in another extremely, extremely competent guy in Sveden Sokolov. Now, you may be wondering, okay, they got Sveden Sokolov, but they already have Maxi Mikhailov, one of the best opposite hitters in the entire world. Well, apparently the plan is to move Mikhailov to the outside hitter position, which is not a transition you see a lot. Typically, players don't move to a passing position unless they've played it significant amounts of time in the past. Passing at a really high level in volleyball is probably the hardest skill to learn, especially it seems at a later age. So you just don't see the transition very often, but I'm sure Mikhailov has taken lots of reps in practice as a passer over the years and must be at a level where they're confident playing him at the position. He's not the only high level opposite that's comfortable playing outside hitter as well. We've seen Ivan Zaitsev play both positions quite frequently in the past and also Matt Anderson who is leaving the team. And those aren't the only big positional changes that Zenikazan is making as well. They are losing Alexei Verbov, who is going to retire from playing volleyball next season and moving to a coaching role with the team. But in his place, they got probably the best other Russian libero in Valentin Golubev, who has had a fantastic summer filling in for Verbov. Maybe not as good as Verbov was in his prime, but certainly pretty close approximation of how he was towards the tail end of his career. They also added outside hitter Fedor Vorenkov, who made quite a few rosters in Nations League and was also part of the roster for the Olympic qualifying tournament, so a guy that clearly the Russian national team sees some future in. Overall, I don't think Zenit Kazan got any worse this year trading Verbov and Anderson for Sokolov and Golubev. Their success will probably depend a lot on how Maxi Mikhailov does switching to the outside position. He's a very hard worker, probably one of the most high skill opposites we have in volleyball didn't only rely on his athleticism very detail-oriented guy so I'm sure he'll do well and I think Zenit Kazan will still be the favorites for the Russian Super League next year so I would give them a B and our third Champions League team coming from the Russian Super League is Fekel Novi Urengoy they had a strong regular season going 19 and 7 but then were unceremoniously defeated by Zenit Kazan in the semi-finals one huge, huge bonus for them this offseason is they managed to hold on to the dynamic young outside hitter duo of Dmitry Volkov and Igor Kliuka, the second of which, in my opinion, will be one of the best players in the entire league this year. There were a lot of rumors that clubs like Kemerovo and Zenikazan were trying their hardest to pry away at least one of the young duo, so the fact that they're still able to stay in their hometown team and play together and grow together I think is fantastic. However, they did lose a couple of key contributors from last season. Arthur Udris, the seven-foot-tall opposite, that was a huge part of their great play last year, especially in the Club World Championships, will be leaving the team. However, he is being replaced by Christian Patter. Now, Patter's a great player, but someone that even hardcore volleyball fans might not be aware of. He plays for the Hungarian national team, which has not had a great team in recent years mostly playing in the European Golden and Silver Leagues not really making it to big competitions like the European Championships and in terms of his club play has mostly been playing in Korea and China so far so if you're someone who just watches the major competitions like Nations League World Championships Champions League Italian Superliga you might not be aware of how good this guy is he's an extremely powerful and athletic player has a huge jump serve that Many passers in Korea were terrified of, and he was among the league leaders and aces in both seasons he was there. So I don't think Fekel will miss too much going from Udris to Christian Patter. However, a more damaging loss to the team might be 
the loss of Ivan Yakovlev to Zenit St. Petersburg. If you've been listening to this podcast all summer, Yakovlev has been one of the breakout stars, not just for Russia, but for middle blockers in all of volleyball. He was one of the main reasons that Russia was able to repeat as Nations League champions and even got in for a bunch of points at the Olympic qualifying tournaments. I'm not sure who they plan on replacing him with, but it looks like they didn't find a guy who can repeat the same level of production that Yakovlev gave them last year. They did keep superstar American libero Eric Shoji, however, who had an incredible summer playing with Team USA, as well as bringing in the setter Sergei Antipkin. So the core of the team is definitely still there. They have a lot of young players who should only get better theoretically next year. However, the loss of Ivan Yakovlev is pretty huge. He was the exact same age as Igor Kliuka and Dmitry Volkov. Would have been great if he could grow around those guys and kind of form maybe a next generation Russian big three on Fekel Novi Uruguay. So even though they did a really good job keeping Kliuka and Volkov, I think just because they lost Yakovlev, I'm going to have to give them a C+. Next team I'll talk about is Zenit St. Petersburg. Had a 19-7 record in the regular season. Looked pretty good for the most part on the backs of Jorg Rozier and Oriel Kamejo, but lost in a surprisingly lopsided series against Kuzbas Kemerovo in the Russian League semifinals. And as I just mentioned, one of their biggest additions was the middle blocker Ivan Yakovlev, who had just an incredible summer with Team Russia, really showed what he can do, very smart blocker, unstoppable attacker, still working on his serve, but it's definitely getting there. And the other big addition for the team was setter Dmitry Kovalev, who even though he's kind of fallen out of favor with the Russian national team, still one of the best setters in the Russian league, incredibly athletic for a setter, probably one of the most athletic setters in volleyball, extremely good blocker, extremely good server. The knock on him has always been his hands, but he seemed to have a pretty good connection with Ivan Yakovlev on the Russian national team during Nations League, and also guys like Oriol Kamejo and Jorg Rozier, not the toughest guys to set, you just kind of throw it up high for them and, and watch them bang. And they could definitely use an upgrade for their second outside hitter beside Oriol Kamejo, but with Kamejo, Grozier, Yakovlev, and Dmitry Kovalev scoring a lot of points for you, you don't necessarily need a ton more offense from the rest of your team. And since they didn't really lose any key players from last year, I think this team is going to be dangerous. Might even be a bit of a title contender, a dark horse to win the Russian League Championships, now that we've lost a bit of faith in Zeneca Zahn, excited to see how this team does next year. The team that probably had the most turnover out of anyone in the Russian League, Belgorod, lost like pretty much all the big signings from the previous summer. Gord Perrin, Nemanja Petric, Denis Zemshinok, Valentin Golubev. So a lot of talent lost for Belgorod. However, they did bring in a couple of big names in Serbian opposite Drazen Lubric and Bulgarian outside hitter Rosalind Penchev. But the loss of so many good players still leaves a few holes in their roster. It's kind of a question mark on who's going to start the majority of the time beside Rosalind Penchev. Anton Semishev participated in the Volleyball Nations League this year. Seems to be a guy coming through in the Russian pipeline. However, still doesn't have a lot of experience as a starter in either the Russian national team or the Russian Super League. And a guy who has even less experience than him, Pavel Tetyukin, who is the son of Russian volleyball legend Sergei Tetyukin. Is a high-level prospect, but still probably a couple of years away from being physically ready to play in the Russian Super League. Belgrade is probably the first team that I've talked about today that I just don't really like the moves they made in the offseason. They lost a lot of talent, and if you want to be competitive in an extremely competitive league like the Russian Super League, you need to replace that talent 
if it leaves. And while Gord Perrin and Nemanja Petrick didn't have their best seasons ever last year, the downgrade from them to their current outside hitters and losing Golubev I don't think is worth the upgrade from Zemshinok to Drazen Lubrich. So given what this team lost in blocking and passing, I'm going to give them a D for their offseason. Belgorod had a lot of turnover, but the team that probably had the least turnover was Lokomotiv Novosibirsk. They kept all of their major guys from last season, including Fabian Drija, Marko Ivovic, Ilyas Kurkeev, and Konstantin Bakun. That's a lot of talented players, but they didn't really put it together last season. They made the playoffs, but only went 16-10 and 10 and lost in the first round. I think they definitely have the makings of a solid team. However, definitely their weakest position right now is the second outside hitter spot, which was currently occupied by Alexei Rodichev. I really wanted to see an upgrade at that position because I think there's a lot of talents on that team, but you saw at times they struggled to play out of system if they couldn't get it to Marko Ivovic or Konstantin Bakun, who also sometimes struggles sometimes with unforced errors. I know there's not an unlimited supply of Russian outside hitters, but I would have liked to see them try and sign maybe a younger guy with high potential like Semyshev or Fedor Voronkov on Zenikazan. Rolling with Sergei Savin and Alexei Radachev for like the fourth year in a row just seems to me like a high-risk, low-reward kind of move. So they're another team that did well to keep their players. However, they had some glaring weaknesses last year that I think were definitely fixable. And for that, I would give them a C. And the last team I'll talk about in the Russian Super League is a team that made a couple of pretty exciting signings. And that is Dynamo Moscow, who are usually a pretty strong team in the Russian Super League. However, last year, 13-13, and 13, barely making the playoffs. However, they added some really, really good outside hitters. And number one, Taylor Sander, who looked like Team USA's best player at the Volleyball Nations League. Steven Marr one of Team Canada's outside hitters and a huge part of their program. And also Pavel Pankov, who's an incredible young Russian setter when he is healthy, which last year and the year before he did tend to struggle with. However, their wings are just such a massive, massive upgrade on Yuri Berezko and Dick Coy from last year that I think it almost doesn't matter who you have on the rest of the team. Those two guys are going to be able to bring you a long way in the Russian Super League. They also brought in opposite Maxim Sigalov, who spent a season in Poland last year for some reason. And if they manage to keep middle blockers Ilya Vlasov and Ostempenko for next season, this team is going to be really solid. I think they're definitely not going to be in 8th place. I think they might compete for a top 4 seed for the playoffs. However, they do have guys on their team who are an injury concern, including Pavel Pankov, who as I mentioned earlier, missed a lot of time last year and Taylor Sander, who is having some shoulder issues this summer. We'll see if he's healthy for the upcoming season, which is especially risky if he plays in the World Cup this fall. However, given Taylor Sander, probably one of the biggest signings in the entire league, Steven Marr is a great player as well. Gonna have to give Dynamo Moscow an A for their great signings, best grade that I gave anyone in the league, well-deserved. The only other big signings in the league... Machi Muzai is going to Gazprom Surrogate. Kind of a strange signing in my opinion. Machi Muzai is a better player in my opinion than some of the opposites playing on better teams. So I'm not sure why he went to Russia but didn't also sign with a stronger team. However, he's definitely a contender to lead the league in scoring. Earl Ufa, I really don't like their moves. They lost probably their best players in Dmitry Kovalev and Miskovic. 
And in their place, they've added Nikola Jovovic, who has always seemed to me to be the weak link in the Serbian national team, and outside hitter Alexei Spiridonov, who looked like he actually gained at least 50 pounds in his season with Zenit Kazan last year. Seriously, he was almost unrecognizably large by the end of the year. Hopefully for Il Ufa, he used some of the offseason to lose that weight. So I'm really looking forward to the Russian Super League. Hopefully it will be on Leola.tv again next year. Usually almost every weekend had a match that was worth watching just because there's so many good teams in this league. Also looking forward to seeing Kuzbas Kemerovo, Zenikazan, and Fekel compete in the Champions League. While Italy is looking absolutely stacked next year, I still think all three of those teams will be contenders for medals. Now Brazil, which is an extremely competitive league, but the talent pool is a lot more closed off compared to a lot of other leagues, which import foreign players to support the local talent. So this results in a lot of just shuffling around of different Brazilian players among the top teams in the league. And last year, there were four that stood out, Sada Cruzeiro, Tabate, Cesi Sao Paulo, and Rio de Janeiro. Tabate ended up winning the championships in five games against Sao Paulo, so I'll start with them. Unfortunately, their two biggest moves of the offseason were probably players they lost. Two Argentinians, Facundo Conte and Nicolas Uriarte. Conte was a huge part of their success last year, was a focal point of the offense, considering opposite Leandro Vesoto, not really a first option anymore. Uriarte was the guy who ran that offense, one of the best setters in the world. Doesn't get quite as much recognition because he's always playing behind Luciano De Checo on the Argentinian national team, but he still has some of the best hands and ball placement in the game, especially in the Brazilian Superliga. But Uriarte will be returning to Bolivar in Argentina, one of the best teams there, and Facundo Conte will be joining rivals Sado Cruzeiro. However, losing Conte is a slightly less big deal because they already had a really good outside hitter coming off the bench for them last year, Douglas Souza, who has started for the Brazilian national team before and is one of their key players they're developing right now, did get in for a lot of games for them last year, but mainly it was Facundo Conte and Ricardo Lucarelli, two of the best outside hitters in the entire league who started the majority of the time, including in pivotal playoff games. So having Douglas Souza with the team and immediately able to step in definitely softens the blow of losing Facundo Conte. And they didn't get nothing this year. They brought in middle Mauricio Souza, an opposite hitter, Mohamed Al-Hajdadi, who was one of the leading scorers of the Italian Superliga last year. And while these are very strong players, and Douglas Souza is not that much worse than Facundo Conte, the downgrade from Nicolas Uriarte to probably Rafael as their starting setter might sting a little, especially for a team that doesn't really have any gifted offensive players other than Ricardo Lucarelli. However, they still have a really strong lineup. They managed to keep Lucas Sackamp, Tales Haas, and Ricardo Lucarelli, who are all starters on the Brazilian national team. They will definitely be a strong threat next year to repeat their title, so for that I would give them a B-. The team that they beat in the finals though may not get as good of a grade from me. Cesi Sao Paulo, I'm really not a fan of the moves they made this summer. They lost two important starters in their middle blocker, Gustavo, and outside hitter, Lipe, who despite not being the most agreeable person, still was a big contributor to their success last year. They did sign youngster Victor Cardosa, who was a very promising player in Brazil's time at the U21 World Championships this year, but still seems a little green to me. I don't know if he can be a big-time contributor this year, even though he had a decent season in the Superliga last year. I don't know if he's ready to start 
on a team that has championship aspirations. Lucas Lowe was an all-star in the Brazilian Super League last year, but that was by far the best season of volleyball I think I've ever seen him play, and I don't think him and Victor Cardosa really stack up as outside hitters compared to the duos that a lot of the other teams at this level are putting out. You'd think that after coming so close to a championship, they would have spent some money on a really good foreign player. They don't have any foreign players on their roster at all right now, and that's kind of inexcusable for a team that really wants to go for the title. They still have Alan Souza and William Arjona, but Almago will be turning 40 this season, and there's only so long he can keep up this high level of play. Given that they didn't really sign any big names and they lost a couple of key players and their team is just plain getting older, Ceci Sao Paulo gets a D plus from me. Sado Cruzeiro, after dominating most of the decade just like Zenica Zahn, had kind of an off year. They did very well in the regular season going 19-3, and but in the semifinals against Tabate, lost in three straight games, which surprised a lot of Brazilian fans as their team was quite talented, probably the best team on paper, just couldn't get it done against Tabate. They lost a couple of big players this year, including their two foreign players in Taylor Sander and French middle blocker Kevin LaRue. And those are pretty big losses as Taylor Sander was one of the best players in the entire league last year, and Kevin LaRue, when he was healthy, was quite a dangerous guy himself. They didn't do a terrible job of replacing them though. Facundo Conte, who I mentioned earlier, had left Tabate will be joining the team as well as the captain of Team Canada, Gord Perrin. So even though Taylor Sander is probably better than both those players, the fact that they have two really high level outsides means they don't have to play Felipe anymore, which is one of the reasons why they didn't maybe perform up to expectations. Felipe was a fantastic player and a Santa Cruzera legend, but was definitely starting to significantly decline, definitely ready for a bench role for Santa Cruzera. They also signed a middle blocker Otavio, who will do a decent job of replacing the production of Kevin LaRue. Just like Zeneca Zahn, I think I still have to put them in as the favorites for next year, even though their playoff performance were not what people expect of a team at this level. It won't be as easy as the days when they had Yoandri Leal and Robert Landy Simon, but Sada Cruzera will still be a dangerous team. And for signing a very, very strong duo of outside hitters in Facundo Conte and Gord Perrin, I give them a B+. The fourth team in the Brazilian Superliga's Big Four, Rio de Janeiro, didn't have quite as a successful regular season as the other three teams, only going 13-9, but the team led by legendary Brazilian opposite Wallace Souza still managed to make the semifinals of the playoffs. They added a couple of big middle players in Gustavo and Flavio, who I've talked about a lot on the podcast this summer. He's been a huge part of Brazil's success and could be one of their starting middle blockers along Lucas Sackcamp going forward. He's an absolutely fantastic blocker, really smart, really quick. However, there is a bit of a question as to how successful he'll be in attacking while he's not being set by two wizards in Cachopa and Bruno. However, the team does have a very interesting setter coming in in Mateus Sanchez, who is an extremely young, gifted, talented, skilled, smart setter. However, he's only about 5'8" which is just almost unheard of in terms of height at this level of play. It will be very interesting to see how that experiment goes. They lost outside hitter Rosalind Penchev, who was a big factor in their offense, and when they couldn't set it to Wallace Souza, he was their go-to guy. And they didn't really replace him with anyone to go alongside Mauricio Borges, who's a talented outside hitter and a big part of Brazilian national team. 
but not someone you think of as a high volume guy on offense. They have a few young players, maybe one of which could emerge, take the next step, and become that second starting outside. However, I haven't seen anything yet from any of those players that would suggest they're capable of making that leap. And that's the main knock on Rio de Janeiro's offseason. I think they have a really complete team, especially keeping libero Tiago Brandel. But that second outside spot is just such a huge question mark that I can't justify giving them anything other than a C+. And the last team I'll talk about today is Fiat Minas, who is very close to breaking into that top four, actually tied Rio de Janeiro in terms of their regular season record at 13-9, and and did a pretty good job this offseason. They kept their young core of guys who were participants in the 2017 U21 Championships, Mike Reyes, who has been huge with the Brazilian national team at the libero position, Felipe Rock, and Honorato, both really talented wings. However, they lost one of their best players in the middle, Flavio, to Rio de Janeiro, which was a very unfortunate loss. They did get another Brazilian middle blocker in David Jr. Costa as a replacement, so not all is lost for the team. And given some substantial improvements from their young players, which could happen because most of them were in their early 20s, I could see this team breaking into the top four, especially with Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro having slightly disappointing off-seasons. Unfortunately, as much as I like the Brazilian Superliga, it is extremely difficult to find games to watch. I've spent many hours trying to track down ways to get around the geo-blocking in Brazil, but doing it without access to a Brazilian TV provider, almost impossible. But we'll get to see one of the teams in the Club World Championships next year, depending on who accepts the invitation. I really wish the Brazilian teams could participate in the Champions League. It would be really, really cool to see how these top Brazilian teams stack up against the top Italian, Russian, and Polish teams, and it would definitely improve the competitiveness and competition of the tournament. Obviously, that's totally unfeasible, and it's supposed to be a tournament just for the European clubs, but fun to think about for sure. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. There's not much going on in the volleyball world right now. I believe the U19 World Championships is starting soon if you're interested in super youth events. The North American Champions Cup is happening this weekend, which will send one team from each gender straight to the Continental Qualifiers in January. Canada looks to be sending a B team and will likely win the event. The USA, oof. I don't know if you've seen the roster. There are some big college names, but suffice to say the chances they win this tournament are not particularly high. But the women's European Championships are starting now, and the men's championships are soon to follow. The rest of the Continental Championships also coming up very soon. Summer is flying by. Volleyball will be back soon, don't worry. But for now, I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I hope you enjoy your week.